Ronananian. I fixed the 2008 Expedition. I've been working on this car for two weeks now. For those that say, ah, what's the matter? You couldn't fix it that fast? No, I didn't want to spend the money that fast. I got a beat little jacket. I got a broken down car. I'm gonna push it up the hill if I can make it that far. Cause everything I own is a broken down piece of junk. The car doctor. The ABS controller was the big ticket item. And look at the price of it. 1500 bucks in one fell swoop. And you can see that with the amount of electronics being added to a car, it's not getting any easier and it's not getting any cheaper. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Start your engines in a low, Ronnie Nini and the car doctor here at the helm. 855-560-9900. Ready to go wound up this week. It was... Uh, Boy, let me tell you, I don't know where to start. I wrote myself some notes uh, to kick off this hour of the car doctor this week, and uh, thanks for stopping by. I know you've got a lot of choices. I appreciate you being here. I'm glad to be here for you. Uh, you know, do we want to talk about the obsolete seat on the 2005 Malibu? We'll talk about that today. Do we want to talk about the, the phone call, you know, do you charge to look at cars? And the wise guy in me wanted to say, well, no, I look at cars on the ride home, and I look at cars on the way into work for free. What is it that you want me to do? And, you know, it was the check engine lights on and flashing. Well, yeah, you need a diagnosis. Click. Um, we could talk about that. We could also talk about... I, you know, as if the 2008 ABS hydraulic control unit on the Expedition wasn't bad enough last week, the the $4,000 brake repair by the time we did the brakes and the control unit and so on. We should talk about the 2012 Toyota Sienna all-wheel drive unit failure. They Real quick, and then we'll go to the phones because I understand we have Rick on Seattle, from Seattle on the phone. I, I just got to tell you this story real fast. And we'll talk about that a little bit in the, this hour or the next hour. It's just, it's insane. And I guess, you know, you've really got to learn to look at how much was the car? A Toyota Sienna minivan has got to be every bit of 50 grand now, okay? I, I just, I don't see them. You know, they're not $20,000 vehicles, $30,000 vehicles anymore. It started out with this loud whining noise going down the road. It had a really deep, like, oh, boy, something sounds like it's going to fall out. The all-wheel drive unit, all right, this is an all-wheel drive van, has, you know, the rear differential, and then they mount a, a here it is, this is, this is where we take the flux capacitor out, folks, and we do 88 miles an hour, and you're going to see some serious stuff. Um, but it, it has an electromagnetic viscous coupling, oh, boy. And that translates into, bing, here come the dollar signs, all right? Because this, this electromagnetic viscous coupling, say that three times fast, you'll end up on Jeopardy. It was it just the part, which can't be any bigger. I mean, it's the size of the ABS hydraulic control unit from the 08 Expedition. It was $1,600. I've come to the conclusion if they can pack a lot of electronics and into that size, it's now everything's $1,600. That seems to be the flat fee. Maybe that's what it takes to feed the engineer's lunch on Tuesdays. I don't know. That's the number they come up with. But, uh, you know, 1600 bucks, And you look at this and you say, why? All right? Uh, you know, it's just – and in reality, it's just – it's really just a – a, a large wheel bearing, like a front-wheel drive wheel bearing with a hub and a flange that's splined into the 
uh, ring and pinion going to the rear differential that ties in, and then they use a, uh, an electric switch. They control it and turn it on and off and pulse it so that it can it can deal with you know binding and turns and things like that. And they make it a um, they make it a limited slip clutch in, in that sense. But uh, you know, if I was a Toyota say and a minivan driver, I'd be worried. Um, not that I want you to get rid of Toyotas. I think they're great cars, but some of the things they do leave me scratching my head. Here's one that, uh, this is the second one we've done now. It just happened to come right on the heels of the hydraulic control unit for the Expedition. That's got me thinking about the price of repairs. But by the time you're done, it's it's every bit of, it's just a little over two grand for the mommy mobile to take the kids back and forth. Uh, you know, it's just it's getting more and more expensive to repair cars. I understand why the phone count is up lately. It's um, it's just it's just staggering. So I and I guess I tell you that story not to, not to you know say Toyota's doing it wrong because they're all expensive. Everything's expensive. I say that story because you know you've got to stop to look at as Claudia, the owner of the van, said. She says, Ron, it's two grand, twenty four hundred dollars, whatever. She said, but look what it cost me to replace it. It's fifty grand to replace that car. And, yeah, I get it. It's a percentage thing. I remember back in the days when I was in the gas station with Billy where, you know, it was, it was you know, $185 for the water pump on the small block Chevy. And that was a lot of money. My God, $200 for a water pump? The water pump was 30 bucks. It was three hours of labor or whatever. You know, labor was $40 an hour. It was, you know, what was it back in 1972? And it was, you know, it was, you know, God was young. Dirt was just invented, and I started working on cars. But I just, you know, everything is relative, and you've got to remember that, that it's, that it's all relative. So, um, but, yeah, just, just a staggering repair. And I also want to talk about this hour the Subaru CVT transmission that we worked on this week. And, you know, uh, Mr. Ray, just real quick, and then I promise I'll go to the phones. I'm, I won't give the whole thing away, but how much do you think, now a CVT, right, that sounds like high technology, mm -hmm. right, you know, constant variable. What do, you think is, what do you think a Subaru transmission could possibly cost? Well, let's see. I know for a Ford Escape, we're talking in the three to three to $4,000 range, so I'm going to guess six grand. Boy, that's not bad, kid. All right, but you know, parts and subsidiaries, and you're you're between sixty five hundred and seven grand. Holy crow! In parts. Wow. All right. Here's the catch. Guess when you can get that transmission if you order it today? Six to twelve months. Uh, no, we're better than that. If if you put a special, I'm telling the whole story now. If you put a special handling on it that it's a priority, you can have it in thirty days. Really? Yeah, there's a back order on them. We had a, we had a 2010 and, Legacy that came that into the shop. Lot, don't it? Yeah, it's, a back order well, yeah. We had a 2010 Legacy that came into the shop with a stalling condition, and it was transmission related. And you know what? I'm going to leave it there because I'm going to keep you in suspense for a little bit. I'll tell you about that a little later on this hour. Right now, let's get over and let's talk to Rick in Seattle. Rick, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. You're on. What's going on, kid? Hey, I have a 2006 Honda Odyssey, uh, 200,000 miles on it, well-maintained. Uh, the other day, the driver's window went down, and it won't come back up. Um, it appears that it's that there's enough friction in there that the window auto-reverses. So I was able to uh, help it up with my hand and get it closed so we at least don't have to deal with that right now. Um, but uh, I'm going to tear it open and try to figure out if it's motor or if it's linkage um, that's causing the problem. I wondered if you had any... Uh, 
um, pattern failure information or things like yeah, that. Yeah, it, 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 it probably it. doesn't really matter if it's one or the other because if memory serves me correct, that motor's attached to a track mechanism that's so it's just all cables and pulleys. And you're only going to be able to get that as an assembly, if I remember correctly. Uh, so I've I've seen I've seen I've seen regulator failure. We always think of it as regulator failure. I've seen the regulator fail. I've also seen, and one of the things you could try before you take it apart is just get down to your local auto parts store, grab some spray silicone, and hit the rubber of the glass itself with a little silicone. And if that helps, and you can get it to go up and down, then I'm going to tell you the motor is just weak. And you're you're compensating for the drag of the rubber against the power of the motor and helping it to make it work. But pop the door panel off, and I'm pretty sure you're going to see that is a that is a regulator assembly, uh, meaning that it's going to be two pieces of aluminum, some 10 millimeter bolts. It's going to come out motor and regulator as an assembly as an install once you detach it from the bottom glass runner of the window itself. All right. Um, the, okay. other, the, other, the other thing to be aware of is there is a master power window reset procedure, you know, to make the auto up and down work, and you can probably find okay. it online. Be aware. It's, it, it should be key on. Bring it down all the way from the top. Bring it up all the way, keeping the button on for three seconds. And I think the Honda does it. They require you to do it three times, two or three times. So it's going to be some sequence of... You know, down, hold, up, hold, down, hold, up, hold, down, hold, up, hold, and it should work at that point. All right? It's it's something along those lines, but just, you know, there is a master reset. So just so you're not confused when it doesn't work after you end up, if you end up replacing the motor, that'll be the case. All right, sir? Okay, great. Um, just, Thank you so much. Just, Love the show. Listen to it via podcast all the time. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm glad I'm here for you. And if you need any more information, you give us a call. All right, kiddo? All right, thank you. You're very welcome. 855-560-9900. By the way, before I go, what um, we're missing somebody. Mr. Tony. Oh. He apparently hurt his back, and I told him, you know, he's not as young as he used to be. He can't do that with the, with the ladies anymore, but he doesn't uh, listen. Uh, can't do what, dancing? Yeah. I don't think we can say on the show. I thought he was, I thought he was, um, I thought he was lifting a sandwich because I thought he was hungry. Well, it he, could have been that, or, or, or he could have been just hauling his big butt upstairs to his apartment. I don't you know. know. Um, see, I think he was eating, is what I heard. And he was all excited about the Super Bowl tomorrow. He's kind of rooting for the Eagles. And um, No, 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 no. Tony and I are not rooting for the Eagles. See, we're Giants fans. We're, we're rooting that the Patriots don't win. Well, how can that be? Somebody has to win. You oh, guys are rooting for Well, yeah, for somebody a has to win, but we're not rooting for the Eagles. We're rooting against the Patriots. We can't, we can't say that we're rooting for the Eagles because we're Giants fans. Yeah, but I'll have to talk to you when, when we take the break. 855-560-9900 on any of the car doctor. I'm coming back right after this. She's real fine, my 409. She's real fine, my 409, my 409. 855-560-9900. Give her on a call right now. I was thinking the other day about Huey Gillespie's 55 Chevy, and I'm listening to this, and it juggles my brain because a 409, the predecessor to the 409, was the 348 back in the late 50s. In high school, Huey had a two-door Primer Gay 55 that was just a, you know, it was a neat period hot rod of the day, and he had a 348 in it. And I, I, every time I hear 409, I think about that. So just, I'm having flashbacks. I'm not sure why, but just 
you know. Flashbacks or hot flashes? One or the other. Nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. Stephen, Virginia, sir, you're on with the car doctor. How can I help? What's going on? Uh, uh, two questions, Ron. One on changing oil, sort of a generic question. A friend says the Toyota dealer told him to go 10,000 miles. I say, even with synthetic oil, 5,000 miles tops, four is better, and no filter goes over 7,500. You said that. Yeah, and I and I agree with you on that, Steve. I think you're spot on the money. Uh, you know, I like I like five thousand as a number for synthetic. I, I cringe when I see people going past that, but then I say, hey, you know what? It's not my car. I still have conversations with 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 techs. You want to talk Toyotas? Toyota techs, the Toyota service managers that all tell me the same thing. The worst thing in the world Toyota ever did was extend the oil drain interval to to make it sound like the car never needs service. And sure, if you're leasing that car when that car's got twenty, thirty, forty thousand miles on it, you don't seem to feel the pain. It's like being a kid. You can you can, you know, party hardy when you're seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one, twenty two. When you're sixty, sixty five, seventy, you know, you start to feel it. Your bones ache. It, it it comes back to haunt you. How you treated yourself when you were younger affects how you are when you're older and cars are no different. And, you know, the other thing I always think about is now that we've gone to tire pressure monitoring systems in the last 10 years, and now they're trying to extend the oil drain interval, I got to tell you, I'm really sick and tired of having to check tire pressure on cars that, A, are overdue for service, or B, that I haven't seen in five months or six months because somebody's under the impression that the extended oil drain interval is okay, and we're wasting an awful lot of manpower and time, and we're also missing things that otherwise might need to be repaired or maintained. So this, and you're losing tire life. Well, you're losing tire life, and you're you know you're you're just losing so much. Uh, you know, it's still a it's still a vehicle. It's still a machine. Someone said this the other day. We were out to dinner with a bunch of mechanics, and they said, "Well, I can't wait. You know, another." Four or five years, pretty soon corporate America will take over cars. Everything will be a plastic car, and it's going to be more Uber, more Lyft, more corporate-controlled. By you know another seven, eight years, the government will just ban cars altogether, and the auto repair business will be out of business, and we'll be driving around in self-driving cars and Uberizing, and every three years you'll throw the car away and run it into the crusher. And, you know, you, it sounds very Logan's Run, very science fiction, but, you know... Steve, they're, they're talking flying cars in the next two years. They, it keeps coming up. You know, Uber swears they're going to have flying cars in, 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 in the Middle East in, in the next uh, two years. I read that somewhere in, uh, um, I can't think of the name, but, I, you know, yeah. nothing, nothing, nothing is science fiction anymore. It's all a matter of economics and dollars and, 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 and making it work and, and making it happen. And they're, they're reaching for so many different things. So. Ron? I, 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 yeah, go ahead. I say this to your listeners. When, when all this comes about, they're going to tell you when, when you can go, where you can go, and there won't be any of the drives in the country to Pennsylvania to get the quart of milk. You can bet on that. Well, that's right. You know, the road to Chuchistan. And, you know, that road to Chuchistan, as my father always said, and long-term listeners know what I'm talking about. Where are we going? We're going in the car. Get in the car. We're going to Chuchistan. Don't worry about it. And, you know, there's a lot of that bonding time at that point. And I, I think back, I was talking to somebody else this week about it, how much cars influenced the, the this generation, the people that are in my age group. You know, we all had our, we were on Facebook the other day telling our car stories. And, you know, you, you read them 
And that's kind of how I remember them. It's not everybody exaggerating. It's, yeah, we really did some crazy wild things in cars, but they really helped bond us together. Today, the kids are bonding by going with their keys on a keyboard. There's no, there's no interaction. There's no helping a buddy out at 2 in the morning with a flat tire. There's no you know, running down to the local salvage yard and spending Saturday afternoon combing through the wreck looking for a bumper clip for the Chevelle that they you know, bounced off a telephone pole last night because they, were, they, they, were, they slid in the rain, but they learned their lesson. You know, there's none of that. And it's, you know, today it's, I, I see it all the time. A young driver has an accident around here. They throw the keys at the parents and say, hey, my car's dented. you got to fix it. Uh, you know, you just go, huh? Um, it's, it's, a very, it's a very different dynamic, and I blame that on the fact that we don't fix things anymore. We're slowly getting to the point where we're, we're, we're junking things, and that's, that's gonna, it's, it's going to change society. Mark my words. You had a second Could question. I ask, yes. Could I ask one last question yes. on your yes. HID headlights, LEDs and, and HIDs? Uh, how expensive are, are they to repair in terms of parts and labor? Depends on the manufacturer. Yeah, I've seen HID bulbs twelve, fourteen hundred dollars. Uh, you know, and it's it's also a little nerve wracking on the part of the mechanic handling it. Uh, obviously, because of the expense, also because of the uh, electronics involved. So, are they necessary? Um, you know, that's that's a touchy subject. I'm getting older, Steve. I don't see as good as I used to. Uh, you, you know, but it's 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 it's. I think it's going to be part of the process going forward. I don't. I question also, you know, just how good or how how can I say this? It seems like a lot of the cars heading towards me now. They're really on high beam, and they're not. And I yeah. just I just wonder if the HIDs and the LEDs and all that they're they're just such a different color white light that they're having an effect on us and you know do we necessarily need it? How about if we drive a little slower and we won't need to see as much or as far down the road? And that's something I guess uh, that's a heck of an argument to have. Steve, as always, I appreciate the call. I always appreciate the comments from you, sir. My best to you and yours down Roanoke, Virginia way. I'm Ron Andy and the Car Doctor, and I'm back right after this. Don't go away. That's right. If you call and we're not live, you can leave a message and we'll call you back to get you on the air with Ron. 855-560-9900. Speaking of Ron, here he is. What do you mean if we're not live? Well, we are live. We're live Saturday afternoons. What time is it? Two to four. Isn't that correct? Uh, it is right now. Yes, 2 to 4. It is right, right. now 2.34 on oh, Eastern Time. Thank you. You're now Mr. Big Ben Tom Ray. Um, but right, we're, we're, tone will be, no. <laughs> we're, uh, you know, we're, we're live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. But, you know, some of the affiliates take us different times, and, you know, you can call us, but you can call the 855 number. You can also call the 855 number Saturday afternoon, 2 to 4 p.m. when we're not on the air in your neck of the woods, and or if you're podcasting and talk to us live, whatever your heart desires. And as an added bonus, they can talk to me. Like I said, um, there are some moments where you just sort of question why you're doing this. Uh, Mick in Oregon, welcome back, sir. What's going on with this truck? We're uh, we're into week three here. This is becoming the expedition of the next uh, the next broadcast. What happened with this truck? <laughs> yes, it is. Um, well, I you're right. I, I went and I reread my directions, and I was testing for the five volt wrong. Um, so I tested for it right and. 
so I'm getting five volts like I should. So okay. I'm assuming I'm assuming that's all all my, the sensors are okay. Okay. Right, and I, and I um, and I think so. I'm trying to remember exact. I remember we had a five volt loss or re, or reference issue here. I'm trying to remember exactly what was you know. Yeah, it, it it all started with a with a a, a code for a, a faulty vehicle a speed sensor. Okay, okay, right. And, That's right. That's right. Uh, pulling the signal low. So yeah. So, so what ended up what ended up happening? You had you had five volt reference where you were supposed to. It never dropped out. Did the, did the speedometer work on this? I don't necessarily remember that or not. Um, yeah, yeah, it does. Okay. And, and now you've put it back together and it runs different? No, it, it still has the same drivability issue or the runability issue. Um, I was just trying to diagnose and, and troubleshoot what it was. So I've eliminated the sensors. Okay. Um, but, but, so what it does is, is when you start it up, it, it It'll it'll start up and it'll idle really rough for a little bit and then it'll pick the idle up and it'll idle fine and then if you go to give it throttle it'll miss or cut out and it'll pop or backfire in the intake and kind of out the air box. Gotcha. Okay. There's 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 yeah. there's two things I want you to look at here. Was there more? I don't mean to cut you short. No, no, no. That, that's it. Okay. Um, and what tools are you working with or able to work with? I know you've got a voltmeter, right? I got a voltmeter and I got a generic scan tool. All right. And did you have a scope? No. I don't have a scope. Okay. So two things I want you to do. The, the first is, and I just want to, just for conversation's sake, uh, you, you know where the front crank balancer is? You know, the front, the front crank pulley? Yes. Make sure the harmonic balancer isn't spinning around on the crank snout. You know, the, the rubber part isn't coming loose and the balancer's not spinning on its own. All right? Okay. It, it, it might require you taking the belt off and just grabbing the front of the balancer and giving it a yank. And you'll see it's a split ring balancer. There's there's rubber between the two out, the inner and the outer half. And just make sure it's not loose and wiggling and jiggling and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, it, and that's, that's right right on the front? Right on the front. The, on it's, the it's basically, it's basically the pulley that the belt rides on. Gotcha. All right, on the crankshaft. All right, and the the okay. reason I ask that is because the next thing I'm going to tell you to do is predicated on where or how that balancer is working. If the balancer is off or you know spinning on its own, it's out of index with the crank. The next step is is it becomes a mute point. All right. Okay. So uh -huh. what what I want you to do is bring the balancer around to top dead center. All right. Okay. And make sure the rotor is under number one plug wire all right okay so basically what i tell you to do is you know mark where number one is take the distributor cap off find number one put a little magic marker mark on the distributor body all right and say okay uh -huh. th this is about where number one's supposed to be all right uh -huh. and cap off crank the motor around in the right direction and you know it's going to be clockwise bring it up to top dead center and watch the rotor and here's 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 the math part all right the, okay. the, the trailing edge of the tip of the rotor needs to be just about 20 thousandths past the number one terminal in the cap when you've got the balancer on top dead. Okay. All right? And if it's not, then the distributor is out of time. Here's the problem. The distributor is pinned, isn't it? It's 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 uh, it's it's, it's, I it's I think it's I think this is the generation that was locked in place 
And when we saw these go out of sync like this, if it is out of sync, all right, then, mm-hmm. you know, you might have to make some modification a little bit where we would take the distributor, unpin it, and you'll you'll get it when you see it. I have I have faith in you. You'll understand what to do. All right. But right. This was this was another great idea of the engineers. Hey, we'll just make everything non-adjustable. What could go wrong? Right. Exactly. Because there's no there's no timing marks or anything on the pulleys. Well, there should be on the balancer. There should be. There should. Now I saw on the, on the balancer. I saw one straight line. Right. That's top. Right. And there okay. sh- there should be some type of a tab on the front of the cover. There there is a way to index this. Okay. All right. And if, if if it lines up and it is at twenty thousandths, you know, let's go. You know, twenty thousandths is you know, it's like that far. If it's if it's more or less under number one in the rotor, we're good. I got a feeling it's going to be out quite a bit. If okay. if you're backfiring through the intake, all right, it's it's uh-huh. one of, it's one of two things. It's either ignition timing is off or mechanical valve timing is off. You're creating combustion in the intake manifold from the sounds of it. Yeah. All right. So something is out of time. The sequence of when and how it fires in relation to the piston is is off. You're creating spark and explosion in the in the intake manifold instead of in the combustion chamber. That's how a backfire happens. If if the backfire right. if the backfire happened in the exhaust, it's the same thing. But now it's happening. It's happening. It sounds like it's happening later. This sounds like it's happening sooner. Early. Okay? Yeah. Right. It sounds like it's happening early. So, but that's that's what I, that's the first thing I always go check, and and then we've got to talk about why and you know how far out is that rotor, and depending upon how far out that rotor is, this this has a lot of miles on it. This Jeep, right? If I remember right. Yeah, it has 180. Yeah, it's not a ton, but it's enough. No. You know, um, if memory serves me right, there is a timing chain in this motor. I believe there is. And um, I have seen that also be, you know, affecting, and that will affect how the distributor lines up and sinks. But take a look at that. Do those two things, and then call me back next week. We'll continue the saga. All right? Okay, I will. I will. And we'll, and we'll kind of go from there. But you're always welcome, kiddo. Don't feel like you're bothering us. We're kind of curious to see what fixes this truck. Oh, okay, great. All right? Thank you, Ron. All right. You're very welcome. You have a good rest of the week. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Um, yeah, that's kind of what we're here for. It's uh, Right, Mr. Ray? We're here, we're here for that, and uh, we're just trying to fix cars. We're here for here. I, I, actually, I'm here for the beer, but, you know. Uh, well, guess what? You're going to be disappointed. So um, I've got it figured out. I know how the Patriots I know how the Patriots cannot win and the Eagles not lose or however. There's got to be a tie. Well, yeah, unfortunately, there can't be a tie. Someone must win, but it can't be the Patriots. Is that the rule? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Super Bowl, there has to be a winner. There can't be a tie. They, they will play as many overtimes as necessary until there is a winner. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's the same thing. World Series, Stanley Cup, and hockey. There has to be a winner. There hmm. can't be a tie. And just think, we're making all this fuss about a sport that three months ago we were all talking about how they didn't stand for the national anthem. And yeah, they probably still don't. But you know what? The the Patriots can't win. <laughs> on that on that note, eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. We're on any of the car doctor coming back right after this. <laughs> Welcome back. We're on the end of the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. I want to talk a little bit about the Subaru this week. We had a 2010 Subaru Legacy that came in for a stalling condition. 
And it was not and is not a repeatable condition that you can do every time. And matter of fact, I have never seen it stall. So I was diagnosing against an intermittent in terms of actually seeing it and experiencing it. But I took it on. I, I brought it in. It was good old Mr. Cooper. He's um, He seems to bring me these these insurmountable problems that I have to surmount somehow. And um, it, it, we went through it. You know, no codes, no faults, nothing obvious, never saw it happen. But I started doing a little research, and research has become such an important part of the diagnostics game over the past 10 years, and it's just getting more so every day. As a matter of fact, when I go to class, the instructors stand up and they tell us, you know, when you when you start your diagnostic hour, if you don't spend the first 45 minutes of every diagnostic hour doing reading and research, you're shortchanging the customer if you have any questions. If you know where to go, that's fine, but if you don't, and you've got to, you know, you've you've got to replicate it, or you can't replicate it. You've got to do your research. Found Subaru Technical Bulletin uh, dated four years ago that talks about problems with the thrust washer or a thrust washer inside the torque converter. Now, the reason I actually went looking in the transmission section for this was because the way he described it, the way Herb described it, it sounded and reminded me of the old General Motors torque converter lockup happening. Remember those folks when you had your older General Motors product back in the late 80s, early 90s, that you would pull up to its uh, stop sign and the car would just kind of chuggle and shudder and bam, would shut off. And if you popped it into neutral, the problem went away. So I went looking I went looking into the trans section and sure enough Subaru has a known problem with the torque converters where the torque converter itself is staying engaged due to a fault with a thrust washer inside that's blocking an oil passage so the oil that applies the torque converter lockup doesn't release and it causes the car to stall. So now here's the question at 105,000 miles this thrust washer has worn out and pushed metal throughout the trans do you do because if the thrust washer wore where did it go all right would be my argument um you know where do you go where do you where do you draw the line the trans has to come out to do the torque converter do you do just a torque converter or do you do a trans before you answer that question the other problem mr cooper has is every once in a while this it does this strange shriek where you think you think the serpentine belt is slipping and it's not and the car has a, a, a shutter and a, a clunk, and it really feels like trans itself. So it feels like there's an internal problem in the trans. Is that because of the torque converter? Is there other extenuating circumstances here? I don't know. I just know I've got a bad torque converter because, by the way, uh, I explained all this to Herb, and he, he emailed me late Friday night. He said, hey, you were right. I pulled up to a stop sign. The car is about to stall. I popped it into neutral. Problem went away. So, you know, there you go. I was right again. That's three times this week. I think I should get a prize. So we had to go price a transmission. Isn't it crazy that it's 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 like it's by the time you're done with fluid and, and, and a trans and a torque converter and a couple other things, a mounted, it's seven grand. And you can't you you can't get a trans. It's you know, and that's you know, if they don't special handle it, if they don't prioritize it and say, hey, we need one like right away, vehicle down kind of a thing, they told me from Subaru it could be two to three months. Who's going to wait that long? Why would you want to? I, 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 you know, listen, I think Subaru is a good car, 
but I, I still think pattern failures dominate the scene. I said it from day one, Subaru Automatics, I don't care whether it's a CVT or a conventional automatic or otherwise, they have their issues. Subaru has head gasket issues. Will they go anywhere and, and, and you know climb through the snow and, and, and so on and so forth? Yeah, absolutely. But it's the price to get there. And I think across all car lines, not just Subarus, but all car lines now, the price of this technology as these cars get older, older, it's becoming more expensive to maintain and, 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 and operate. And you've, you've got to have the frame of mind. You can't look at that. And, and Mr. Cooper got it. He said, hey, you know, so we'll put eight grand in the car. He goes, it's cheaper than a new one. Well, you know, he's got to talk to the boss and see what she says. But that's the, that's the conversation we're having. Um, uh, only kidding, Melissa. Um, that is the conversation they're having uh, as far as is it worthwhile to put money into the car at this point. And I understand that. So, but um, the price of auto repair is clearly headed up along with the price of new cars. So it's going to be interesting to see where, where, what caps out first, the price of the car or the price of the repair in the marketplace. It's uh, getting more interesting each and every day. 855-560-9900. I'm coming back to wrap it up this hour. Don't go away. We're not ordinary people. We're morons. Speak for yourself. And I will speak for myself on an eating the car doctor here, 855 is the 24-7 phone number. Ron at is the email. Uh, when Mick from Oregon calls back next week to tell us what happened, the next thing we're going to have him do, somebody remind me of this next week, is, uh, you know what, I think I know what's wrong with that truck. I, if it's not timing, I bet he has a bad oxygen sensor that the heater circuit is shorting out during engine warm-up. And it's affecting the 5-volt data line going out to the other sensors, and it's creating the problem. So we're going to have him unplug the O2 sensors, unless, unless Mick's listening to the show now or unless he does this on podcast. Um, unplug the O2 sensors and take that car for a ride. It'll stay in open loop, and it'll set some codes for O2. But I wonder if his problem goes away and the vehicle straightens itself out, and that's going to make me think he's got an O2 sensor fault. That just... Uh, I just remember that that was in the back of my head. I want to talk to you real quick. I had an 05 Malibu this week, Chevy Malibu, that had a passenger side front seat. The seat back would ratchet. The the person that was sitting in it was um, um, big, for lack of a better way to put it. And over time, the ratchet mechanism wore out. It it, it needed a seat frame. We took it apart, and uh, you know, lots of little pieces and seats. It's just it's just amazing how they stuff everything in there. And it needed a seat frame. So an 05 is 13 years old. Car company said there were two design seat frames possibilities for 05. They got rid of both of them. So they want you to throw the car away. You know, that's it. You can't get a seat. So we ended up taking it apart and welding it. All right, figured out where the where the break was, where the failure was, and we welded it in place and reassembled it and put it back together. And Mary said to me, she goes, can you do that? I said, Mary, listen, you know what? There's a point of practicality. The seat won't recline anymore. The seat's always going to stay upright, and it's always going to be in one place. But there are more than one way. There's always a way, and there's more than one way around to skin the cat. You just got to make sure you're doing it safely and correctly in terms of keeping that car on the road and reliably. So uh, just some food for thought if you ever run into it. Till the next time, I'm Ron Anini, the car doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. 